How many people are ready for God's Word? Come on, are you ready for God's Word? Isn't it exciting to be here today? It's looking a lot like Christmas, and it's not that many days away. The malls are getting busy. Amazon is getting lots of people connecting, getting the gifts, and you're working it all out and getting those gifts to celebrate Christmas together. Well, we're in a sermon series that we're calling Rediscover Christmas, and we're rediscovering some Christmas themes. Last week, we talked about hope, and if you missed last Sunday, go online. It's all there. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about peace, and uh, then at the end of the month, the last Sunday of December, we're going to talk about love, but today, we want to explore the theme of joy. Just so I know you're awake, could everybody say the word joy? One, two, three, joy. Come on, let's say it again. One, two, three, joy. I want to break this message into two parts. I want to start by defining joy. Let's just redefine. Let's get down to what it actually means. And then we're going to talk about how you find joy. We're going to go to Luke 1 and Luke 2. And I'm going to give you some fresh angles, some fresh insights on joy from the Christmas story. And so as we begin, I want to give you three things. Number one, you can write this in your notes. I, I've heard this contrast for years. It came really quickly to me because I've, I've preached it, I've talked about it. Here it is. You've probably heard this contrast that happiness is described as a fleeting and temporary, this fleeting and temporary feeling because it depends on what happens to you. You're happy when life is going well, but when it's not going well, you're not happy. And happiness is fleeting. It comes and it goes, but joy is deeper, right? And it's more fulfilling because it comes within you. Happiness happens because of what happens around you, but joy happens because of something within you. And it'll preach until you study the Greek and the Hebrew. The Bible is written in the Hebrew in the Old Testament, Greek in the New Testament. Watch this. Number two, interestingly, the Bible, which we go by, doesn't make a distinction between joy and happiness. I started to study it in the Hebrew and the Greek, and I learned that they are essentially the exact same thing with maybe a slight little nuanced, nuanced difference, but they're, they're actually the same, and they're actually used interchangeably in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So if you package that together, let me take you to number three. If we're going to let the Bible, which we should, inform our definition of joy, I have to share with you today that we'd probably land on a definition, something like this, joy is something that's inward. It's a feeling of happiness and contentment. I just want to share with you, happiness and contentment are like first cousins. They're really connected. That's often expressed outwardly. It's inward and it's expressed outwardly. And it's inner contentment, it's inner happiness, and it's inner joy. Joy and happiness are identical in the original Greek and in the original Hebrew. So what can we talk about today? Let's talk now about finding joy. And let's go to how do you find joy in your life circumstance? How can you discover, walk, and live in joy? What can we learn from the Christmas story? And so I went back to Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, and I saw the word joy not many times, but it's there. And there's three things I just want to land on today. I just want to impart into your spirit as we walk through some scripture. And the first thing I want to share with you today, and I want you to write this in your notes, that joy can actually be found in the midst of your pain. I don't know about you, but I've discovered that life is intertwined with joy and pain. Like you're, you're meandering through life and you've got lots of joy, but then there's a pain moment and there's a difficult moment, but you can find joy 
in the midst of your pain. So I want to talk to you about that. I want to take you to God's word. I want to take you to Luke chapter 1, and I want to start verse number 5. So watch this. In the time of Herod, the king of Judah. Now that just gives us a time frame. Herod's the king. And he's a powerful king, and he's a, he's a power-hungry king who was noted for building temples. And in the time of Herod, the king of Judah, there's this priest named Zechariah. Everybody say Zechariah. One, two, three, Zechariah. He belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. I don't know if you know this, but in those days, there was like 18,000 priests in Judah, 18,000 priests and, and back in the days of David in the Old Testament, they divided them into 24 divisions. And one of those divisions was the divisions of Abijah. And so here we got Zechariah. He belongs to the priestly division of Abijah. And he's got a wife, and her name is Elizabeth. And she's got some deep roots that go all the way back to Aaron. Y'all remember Aaron? Remember Moses, Aaron, the priest? And so they've got some great godly priestly heritage and Zechariah is a priest from the division of Abijah. Let's go to verse 6. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God. What does righteous mean? Right relationship with God and right living for God. They were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. I mean, they are living a godly life. They're putting God first, and they're obeying the commands. They're doing it right. I don't know about you, but when I've learned, when I honor God, it brings me joy. It really does. Here's what I want you to know. Just because you're living a God-honoring life, it doesn't mean that you won't experience pain. Come on, are you with me today, friends? Pain happens to godly people, right? Just because you're serving Jesus doesn't mean you're not going to have a pain moment. You will have a pain moment. And in life, pain intermingles with joy and you're on this journey and you all want a singular line of no problems no difficulties but that's not how life works we're about to read in just a moment here today that Zechariah and Elizabeth had a pain moment it's verse 7 put it on the screen but they were childless there it is their pain moment is that they're childless why because Elizabeth wasn't able to conceive she's barren she can't conceive and to top it off they're very old now so even if she could conceive, those days are gone. They're up in years. Now, now I'm going to jump down to verse 25, because verse 25 gives you a, a little bit of a window of how society in those days viewed you if you couldn't bear a child. Not like today, but back then. So, so verse 25, the Lord has done this for me, she said, Elizabeth. In these days, he's shown his favor. He's taken away my disgrace among the people. In those days, if you couldn't bear a child... It was viewed as disgrace. It was viewed as God is judging you. It's viewed as God is punishing you. That's, that's just a view. It's not true. It's just how they looked at it. And there was shame. Not like today, but back then. Here's Zachariah and Elizabeth, and their pain moment is that they were childless. Could you look at me right now? What's your pain moment? What are you walking through right now? What would be your pain moment? Is it no job? Is it... My marriage is a wreck. Is it there's disease in my body? Is it I, I'm clouded with worry? I've got anxiety. My, my son is so far from God. My daughter is bound by drugs. I don't know what. Put, put a name to your pain moment. For, for Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were childless. 
Just before I read further, I just want to say to you, whatever your pain moment is, give it over to God. Persevere. Don't give up on God. Trust God. Because even in the midst of your pain, God is up to something. Even in the midst of your challenge, God is still doing something great. And some of you today, fear is gripping you right this very moment. There's some of you sitting here right now, and some of you watching online, you are so afraid of your tomorrow. i got a word for you. Don't Don't let your fear of tomorrow rob you of your joy in today. Don't let fear cripple you. Give it over to God. Watch what God does. Let's come down to verse 8. Let me read to you. Wow. Watch what the Lord does. Once when Zechariah's division, he's from the division of Abijah, was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. I don't know if you know this, but every priestly division had to go to Jerusalem five times a year to serve. They all went at the Passover, all the priestly divisions, and they all went during the Feast of Weeks, and they all went during the Feast of Tabernacles, and then every priestly division had to go two more times for a week during the year. And this was one of those moments and, and Zechariah had to go, to go to Jerusalem. He had to be there. He had to show up because his priestly division was on duty. Look at verse 9. He was chosen by lot. You know what that means? That the head of the division would take these sacred objects like dice, but it's not like secular gambling. It's God leading it. And they would roll them. And, and so by sacred lot, he was chosen according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. This church was a once in a lifetime opportunity. A priest could only go once into that place, into that sacred place, into the holy place, to the altar of incense, to burn the incense. Now watch this. When they would go in there and burn the incense, the aroma would rise up and all the priests outside would smell it. And the, and the aroma was representing the prayers of all the people. Look at verse 10. And when the time for the burning of incense came, it was either morning or evening. I suspect this was evening. All the assembled worshipers were praying outside. All the the priests were outside praying. But Zechariah is in the holy place. And Zechariah is at the altar of incense. Look at verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. The right side is the place of authority, the place of honor. Verse 12, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he's gripped with fear. He's freaked out like, whoa, what's going on here? I mean, he's just really thrown for a loop. Verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Every time God sends a messenger and the angel says, do not be afraid, it's to calm the person down because there's something the angel wants to say and needs to say. So he says, don't, don't be afraid. Watch this, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Now, I want to point this out. When he said, your prayer has been heard, he's not talking about the prayers of all the priests. The original Greek teaches us that it's a very specific prayer. Your prayer, Zechariah, your prayer of Elizabeth, calling out to God, asking for a child, it has been heard. Church, get it in your spirit. God hears your prayer. Come on, is there a witness in the house? God hears your prayer. Your prayer has been heard. 
Then the angel said, your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. That's, that's all they were asking for, a son, but there was more. And the answer's even greater than they could ever imagine. Because God's answer to our prayers, although it may not be what we ask for, is always greater because God's ways are always perfect. I don't know about you, but I'm glad there's some prayers I prayed that God never answered the way I wanted. Because my prayer was flawed. I don't know about you, but I want his will. Anybody with me today? How many people want God's will? Come on. How many people? Do you want God's will? His will is never flawed. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, they just want a child. And he says, watch this. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear your son. Oh, by the way, we got a name for him. You're going to call him John. Wow. Look at verse 14. He will be a joy. There's the word joy. It's right there. This boy going to be a joy to you. And, and not just that. He's going to be a delight to you. A joy and a delight. I mean, you get the answer to your prayer. But, but the great joy was not just that they had a son. Every parent's desire when you're a follower of Jesus, I know this is true, that your child or your children would devoutly follow Jesus. Am I right, parents? I, I just want my kids serving Jesus. I want them living out the plans and the purpose of God. And the angel said, he's going to be a joy, delight you. And not just that, many will rejoice because of his birth. There's going to be joy for you, and everybody's going to rejoice because of his birth. Verse 15, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. And he's never to take wine or other fermented drink. That's the Nazarite vow. And he's not to put any alcohol to his lips. And he will be, I love this, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. I'm going to tell you something. This is for free. This is not even part of the sermon. Are you ready for this? It's for free. Luke is all about the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of Luke is all about Holy Spirit. If you want a neat study, study Holy Spirit in the Gospel of Luke. It will, it will bring you to life. And Luke tells us right here about John... <laughs> He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. There's not going to be one moment that Luke won't have the presence of Holy Spirit in his life. Wow, that'll preach. That's powerful. Verse 16. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. The mission of John is not to reach the world, but specifically to reach the people of Israel and to draw them back to God. The will of God for your life is specific. God has a will. God has a plan. And he did for John. <laughs> and so, so the angel's telling him that, verse 17. And he'll go on before the Lord. You all know that John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. He's preparing the way. He's going to go on before the Lord in the same spirit and the same power of Elijah. We've got to go back to the Old Testament. We don't have time, but it, there's lots of scriptures that will point towards this. What? To turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I don't think Zechariah and Elizabeth were ready for that answer. And I just want to say to you today, whatever your pain is, God is still in charge. And he will do what only he can do. And his answer is always best. Submit your pain to God. Give him your pain. He has a plan. Because he loves you and he cares for you. Come on, can you give a little clap offering of praise to our Lord God right now? Yeah.
I just want to take you to a few more verses, then we're going to segue to number two. Look at verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Verse 58, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. Here's a little nugget of truth. Joy is contagious. Am I right? So is grumpiness, by the way. I don't, I don't want grumpiness. I want joy. Anybody want joy? You wake up grumpy, everyone's going to be grumpy. You walk in joy, it's contagious, right? Now, I love that. They, they all shared their joy. Now, let me give you a couple more verses. Luke 10, 21. Remember Luke's all about the Spirit? I just had to throw this in. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Jesus had joy through the Holy Spirit. How many people know there's joy through the Holy Spirit? Amen? And Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you right now, this can help you to live out James 1 and Philippians 4. James 1, 2. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because God got your situation. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord, not sometimes, always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. I'm going to take it number two. It's going to sound obvious, but I'm going to bring a new slant to it. Joy can be found in Jesus. Some of you are like, wow, that's really profound, Mark. I could have thought of that on my own. But, but watch this. you got to recognize it's Jesus. And I, and I read Luke 1, 39 to 47, and i got to level with you. I never saw this before until now, and I can't wait to tell you this. So in Luke chapter 1, the verses before 39, we won't read them, but remember Mary, angel shows up, Gabriel shows up, and says the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, the Messiah. Oh, and by the way, Mary, your relative Elizabeth, she conceived, and she's been pregnant now for like six months. So Mary gets the news that she's going to, the Holy Spirit's going to come on her, and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow her, and she's going to give birth to Jesus, and your relative is pregnant and has been pregnant for six months. Come down to verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready, and she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. So she takes off, and she's going to go see her relative Elizabeth. Now, verse 40, when she entered Zechariah's home, and she greeted Elizabeth. Now, watch what happened when she greeted Elizabeth. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Underline the word leaped. It means to jump, jumped in her womb. And we're about to read in a couple moments, leap for joy. The baby in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist, John leaps, just jumps for joy. And not just that, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I read that and I thought, what on earth did Elizabeth say when she came, or what did Mary say? What did Mary say to Elizabeth to cause the baby to leap for joy and for Elizabeth to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And it dawned on me, the Bible doesn't tell you what she said because it doesn't matter what she said. I'll tell you, it wasn't Elizabeth entering the room that caused the baby to leap in her womb and for her to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for this? Some of you know where I'm going. It was Jesus entered the room because Mary was conceived with Jesus. Whoa. 
I'll tell you right now, you may not recognize it, but Jesus is in the room right now. You might in the midst of your pain don't recognize the presence of Jesus, but Jesus is present even in the midst of your pain. Come on. I don't know what Mary said, but I know that the baby leaped in her womb and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you why. Because Jesus entered the room. Whoa. Yeah. Whew. Okay. Verse 42. In a loud voice, she exclaimed. Oh. Elizabeth raises her voice loudly. I'll tell you why. Because now she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And she said these powerful words. Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the child you will bear. Everybody thinks the emphasis is on blessed are you among women. No, 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 no. The emphasis in the original Greek is on the child you will bear. It's always pointing to Jesus. These entire verses always point to Jesus. Because Jesus brings you joy. Verse 43, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Verse 44, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. I went back in the Old Testament. I thought, is there, is there a context of leaping in the Old Testament? I got to David. David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant back in Jerusalem, and he started to leap for joy. He started to leap for joy. And John in the womb of Mama Elizabeth is leaping for joy because Jesus entered the room. There's joy that's found in Jesus. Verse 45, blessed is she who's believed and the Lord will fulfill his promise to her. Now watch this. And what did Mary say? Mary didn't say, well, thank you for saying to me that I am blessed among the women. Mary didn't point it to herself. She deflected it to Jesus. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Jesus brings joy, and joy points to Jesus. The reason why the baby leaped is not because of what Mary said. It's because of who was in Mary, Jesus entered the room. Come on, how many people are glad there's joy found in Jesus? Come on, give a clap offering of praise. There's joy. So I got to give you this first before we go to the last part. Nehemiah 8.10, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy is found in Jesus. Number three, the last thing I just want to impart to you, and I want to give you some fresh insights from Luke 2. Joy can be found when you share the good news of the gospel. And I'm just going to land on verse 8 down to verse 20 and hopefully give you some fresh insights that I, I hope will encourage you. Joy can be found when you share the gospel. So I jumped into Luke chapter 2. And so baby Jesus is born. And now there's shepherds, verse 8, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now watch this. Look this way. In, in these days, shepherding was not a family business like it was back in the days of David and Goliath. It was a family business. It was now an occupation for the outcasts. And to be a shepherd in those days, you had, you had a potty mouth. <laughs> you shared a lot of foul words. And you were considered a non-truth teller. So much so that the testimony of a shepherd could never be used in the courts of those days because shepherds never told 
the truth. And they, they were just a, a rugged, rough bunch of people, outcasts, potty mouth guys. That's who the shepherds are. And that's who get the announcement of the birth of Jesus. So the shepherds living out in the fields by keeping watch of their flocks at night. They'd be gone for days watching at night. Verse 9. An angel of the Lord appears to them. Not just that, the glory of the Lord shines around them, and they're afraid. They're freaking out. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Again, why does an angel say don't be afraid? Because there's something that God wants to speak through the angel, and if they don't calm down, they're not going to hear it. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Can I ask anybody and everybody today, how many people prefer good news over bad news? Anybody? Anybody tired of bad news? Moi, tired of bad news. Good news. I bring you good news. I bring you good news that will cause not just joy, great joy. Greek word is mega, huge, large joy. Not just for you, but for all the people. Angel said, what I'm about to tell you is going to bring joy to you and joy to everybody. So what is it? Verse 11. Today, Something happened that day. Where? In the town of David. What's the town of David? It's Bethlehem. Bethlehem was known as the town of David because that's where David was born. So anytime you said Bethlehem, they go, that's the town of David. Today, something happened in Bethlehem. A Savior has been born to you. Now, my Bible says to you, but the original Greek would say for you. A Savior, a Deliverer has been born for you. And he's the Messiah. And he's the Lord. What's the good news? Something happened today in Bethlehem, shepherds. And I'm telling you, a savior, a deliverer, a Messiah who's going to be your Lord was born today in the town of David in Bethlehem. Today, today. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths. You ever wondered why Mary and Joseph wrap baby Jesus in cloths? I'm going to tell you why. Because shepherds would often wrap their little lambs in cloth to keep them warm. Shepherds were familiar with cloth being wrapped around the little lambs to keep them warm. It's really symbolic. It's really pointing towards Jesus as the Lamb of God who died for our sins. Amen. This is going to be signed. You're going to find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Nobody put their baby in a manger. A manger is not a crib. A manger is a feeding trough for animals. It's a place where animals put their sloppy tongue and they all over, spit all over, and they get the food out of it. I know. That's where Jesus was laid. You ever wondered why? I'm going to tell you one reason. Bethlehem, the town of David, means the house of bread. And Jesus declared himself to be the bread of life. Who can satisfy you? Jesus. Come on. Who can satisfy you? Jesus. Come on, say it with me. Who can satisfy you? Jesus. He's the bread of life. That's why he's in the manger. And so, uh, 13, suddenly... A great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. The worship gets louder and bigger. Not just one angel, a huge company of angels. What are they doing? They're praising God because joy leads to praise. Whoa. Start praising God. 
Verse 14, glory to God in the highest heavens, they said, and under peace to those on whom his favor rests. Verse 15, when the angel had left them, went back to heaven, the shepherds started talking to one another, and they said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go to the town of David. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Whoa. Verse 16, they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. I, I read that. My mind went weird. And I thought, the shepherds left the sheep alone just to go? Who took care of the sheep? And then I went to the parable about leaving the 99 for the one. <laughs> I'm in my office and I'm sitting at my desk and it hit me. They left the 99 for the one. They left the 99 to go see the one, the Messiah, the Lord, the Deliverer, their Savior. Wow. So they leave the sheep and they go there. <laughs> they go there. They hurried off, found Mary, Joseph, the baby, lying in the manger, 17. But when they had seen him, something happened when they saw him. They spread the word concerning what had been told about the child. I want you to picture them running through Bethlehem. It said, we saw the Messiah. Oh, and the angel showed up and told us today in the town of David, a Savior be born. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. I want you to picture the shepherds running around. Everyone viewed them as liars and potty mouth. They're not saying bad words now. They're talking about, Jesus. we've seen the Savior. We've seen the Lord. We've seen the Messiah. We've seen the Deliverer. We've seen him. And they're going around and they're telling everybody about it. Verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed. No one said, you guys are liars. No, they were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and she pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds, verse 20, returned back to the sheep, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. I'll tell you why. Because joy results in worship. And they found joy as they spread the word and they lifted up the name of Jesus. Whether you're here on site or you're watching online, I want you to get on your feet right now. And I want the band to come and join me right now. And I want you right now to put your hands together and let joy flood your heart and overflow right now. Can we give God the glory? Come on, church. Can we give God the honor? And can we give him the praise? There is joy in Jesus. I don't know what your pain is. I don't know what your pain is. But God has a plan. And we need to give him glory. We need to give him honor. We need to celebrate the name of Jesus. We need not to let what's happening around us drag us down. We need to discover that there's an inner joy. There's an inner contentment. And it's not based to what happens to me. It's because of who is in me. And his name is Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. I'll tell you why John leaped in the womb. It's not because of the words that Mary said, but because Jesus entered the room. 
Now, if you didn't know it, Jesus is in the house right now. So there's joy in the house of the Lord. Do you want me to lead it, Pastor? Do you want to do it? I said, there's joy in the house of the Lord. Come on. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. But now we're Every head is bowed, everyone's eyes are closed in these final moments. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I got two final questions. Number one, if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, do you know that you're ready for heaven? Do you know that you're going to heaven? I don't want you to walk out of this place thinking you're going to heaven. I want you to walk out knowing that you're going to heaven. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're standing here today or you're watching online and you know, I'm not ready for heaven, but I want to be. I want to be led in a prayer to ask Jesus to be the center of my life. I'm just going to count to three. And after I count to three, if that's you, just lift your hand. I think I'm the only one looking. And I'm just going to lead you to Jesus. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift your hand high as you can. And lift your hand. You're just letting me know, I, I want to be included in this prayer. I want to be led in this prayer. Now, if you lift your hand, I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Let's pray together with him. Dear Jesus. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I make my peace with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Open your eyes. Celebrate salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you invited Jesus in your life, you made the best decision of your life. You're on site on your way out. Drop by an exit. We got a Bible for you, a little booklet for you. We got lots to help you. Church, we got to spread the good news. We got five, everybody say five. One, two, three, five Christmas Eve services. Sign up, bring people with you. We are delivering hampers this coming Saturday. We need a few more drivers. Most have already signed up, but sign up, be a part of it. And if you like prayer, there's going to be people at the front when you leave. We'd love to pray for you. If you've come ready to give on site, offering buckets in the back, debit machines in the lobby. I want to thank you for coming, but I want to pray for you. Can we just lift our hands right now? Father God, we give you our pain, and I pray that pain would be brought to you, and your plans would be lived out. And I pray joy 
would overflow us. Help us, God, to walk and live in the joy of the Holy Spirit. Joy in Jesus. Amen. God, even though we feel like there's, there's good and bad, but there's joy. And it's not based on what we're going through. It's based on who you are. Bless everyone in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. God bless you, church. We love you so much. Have a great day.